All right, here we go. You know it's football season when I'm starting to study fantasy football. This is, I'm not kidding you, the best way to get ready for the season. It's the best way. It's the most exciting way. You get a little action going as well. I get to pick on my guys who spend all year long doing exactly this, and then I just pick them apart. So the hell with both of you. Brad Spielberger over there, Dwayne McFarlane, our fantasy guru, our capologist, all the different people that we have around here. But now... It's starting to get fun. I just got a glimpse of our app the other day. We've got the new app coming out for PFF, and I was told not to tease it too much. But if you're a fantasy football fan, you are going to like this thing a lot, a lot. If you're a gambler, you're going to like this thing a lot. And this is the worst. Whatever derivation of this we come up with is going to be the worst it looks in the history of this app. So we are pumped about what is coming. You'll see it right before the start of football season, but in time for fantasy football. So, um, Dwayne, Brad, how are you guys? What's going on? I'm doing excellent. I'm, I'm, I'm like you, Chris. I'm super excited about the app. Uh, not to tease it too much, like you said, but a lot of cool information that we've always gathered, but now bringing it together and just putting it in one actionable spot, I think the users are going to love it. Well, plus we had forever, you know, we were a kind of a PC company, you know, it's like you had to go on your laptop and there's a lot of stuff you still kind of could use the PC and make it work better and some of the grades and stuff. But now to be able to just sit in the airport or sit wherever you are wasting time and, and go on the phone, oh, it's gonna be so cool, I'm so pumped. Anyway, so we're gonna do a little bit of a, um, the, some of the, uh, the, the mock draft stuff is out for us. And uh, Brad, you don't spend all your time doing this, but uh, Dwayne, pretty much, <laughs> pretty much you and Ian. And so I'm going to start going through and picking apart a few things for my people, right? All my fantasy football people who do what I do, which is study football or watch football all year. And then for a month and a half before the season, try and figure out what the heck is going on with fantasy football because it's backwards. It's not always the way that you would think about fantasy football. For example, Aaron Rodgers in our list of fantasy football players would be going in the ninth round. Tom Brady would be going in the eighth round. If you had any football knowledge at all, you would probably go, okay, I can get Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers in the first round. Here we go. Tell me why not. Tell me why that doesn't apply. It really just comes down to the fact that most leagues that you play in, and right now we're looking at underdogs, average draft position. Um, most leagues you play in, you only start one quarterback, right? But you're going to start two or three running backs. You're going to start three or four receivers. So it's just a matter of really supply and demand. So it pushes the quarterbacks down the board because everybody wants to get their running backs, their receivers. Um, tight ends are kind of similar. Like you'll notice some of the tight ends go later. There's a top five we'll talk about in a little bit. But that's the main thing. It's really just about supply and demand. And to be one of the first quarterbacks off the board, you really have to be able to pass and run. That is where the huge ceiling comes from. So the guys that do go earlier, like a Josh Allen, that's why, because he can give you 750 yards rushing, 5,000 yards passing, you know, and then whatever the touchdowns between those two combine. So he just has a higher upside. And Brad, as you go into your draft strategy, what are you thinking? What, what are you trying to get done? 
No, the funny thing is I actually do incorporate some of my salary cap and contract uh, knowledge into the equation. So I take smart people like Dwayne's rankings and lists, which I've been reading since even before he joined PFF. He's probably won me some money. So thank you, Dwayne. Um, and and I, I think the one edge I have is I look at free agent signings. I look at draft capital where a guy was taken in the actual NFL draft. And, and look, teams want to win. Teams want to spread the ball around to try to win games, but they also want to make their investments look good and get the ball to guys that gave big contracts to or drafted very early. So that's one factor that I think I maybe overemphasize compared to other people. I like that strategy because you're dead on. People are self-serving. No matter which profession you're talking about, everybody wants to make their decisions look good. So if you were saying somebody that would fall in that category for this season, who would you give me a couple examples? Yeah, I think one example would be, um, you know, I've seen a lot of conversation about Chase Edmonds, the running back now with the Miami Dolphins was of course with the Arizona Cardinals last year. And James Conner kind of took his job and got that extension from Arizona. He had to move on. And a lot of folks have said, look, you know, Mike McDaniel coming from San Francisco, always a committee approach at running back. They have a handful of names there. They brought over Raheem Mostert. But Chase Edmonds got a legit contract. The rest of those guys are basically on veteran minimum deals. So I think I probably like him more than some analysts do because I think they're going to try to feed the guy who they invested in. Very good. I, I love new theories. I love all conspiracy theories. That's, that's very good. Um, a, a couple of guys I wanted to ask about. Christian McCaffrey, right? The, the, I think he was like the number one draft pick a couple of years ago. Now, a couple of years in a row, he's been injured. He's been out. Derrick Henry, king of the world. Then Jonathan Taylor blew him away after he got hurt a year ago. Saquon Barkley, greatest athlete of all time, was going to change the New York Giants franchise. He's been hurt. And you've got other situations suspensions alvin Kamara, deandre hopkins uh, who knows what's going to happen with deshaun watson start me with the guys that are injured first with the mccaffrey's the henry's the saquon barkley's because ordinarily or at least in times gone by those guys would have been three or four of the top guys going off the board yeah and mccaffrey still is he's the number two player taken right now on underdog um and it's for good reason Number one, like there's just the higher level strategy. So if you look at running backs historically since 2011, um, we only get a few players every year, Chris, that score 22 or more points in a fantasy season, which is a really big score. And if we look at it, 70% of those since 2011 have been running backs. And if you push that even further higher to say, hey, 25 points per game, then it becomes 80% of those players have been running backs. So while we like receivers, they're less likely to get hurt. You can still, still take them at the top of your draft. If you're really looking for that high, high end outcome that could just smash your league, you still got to go ahead and take a chance on the running backs. And with McCaffrey, he's one that when you look at, you know, really the, the doctors, you know, that are out there, if you look at a lot of the great people we have in the space with on Twitter, if you look at Mario from PFF, they will all tell you that really McCaffrey, you shouldn't treat him any different than any other player. The injuries he's had, honestly, he's just been a little bit unlucky. In the three seasons before last, you know, he had been out there for all 16 games, you know, playing 90% of the snaps most of the time. So the other thing McCaffrey gives you, honestly, if he plays every game, Chris, he's going to outscore Jonathan Taylor and in any sort of PPR format, which means you get a point per, you know, per reception or a half point per reception, just because the guy can catch a hundred balls. 
he can rush for 1200 yards and then catch a hundred ball. That's a hundred points right away in a PPR format. So McCaffrey's ceiling is still absolutely, you know, it's sky high, which is why folks are still willing to spend that second overall pick. One other guy you mentioned, Saquon Barkley is starting to move up draft boards. So look, it's a guy that's only going to be 25 years old back to Brad's original comment early first round capital, even though Gettleman's gone, this is the fifth year, you know, for Barkley, um, you know, they're probably, they may not have him back next year, but you've got that elite pedigree, that first round talent. You've got a guy also that's probably going to be on the field 70 to 80% of the snaps and he's active in the passing game. So that's the archetype you're looking for a player that can give you the explosive rushing plays, but also gives you that upside in the passing game and Barkley and McCaffrey both hit that Barkley is one of my most rostered players over my last 50 drafts that I've done um, over on underdog and over on DraftKings. Saquon Barkley. I've drafted in 25% of my drafts. So you are a believer in PPR points per reception, right? Just for yep, my people out it. there that are still kind of going through the process a little bit. Uh, Brad, give me your opinion on the Camaras. He has the suspension in February, the battery charge. Rumors are six games. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, we know, six game suspension. Uh, Deshaun Watson, does that change your thinking? Because obviously you're trying to win it all. So you want these players available in the playoffs. I mean, and you can get them at a lower price, right? So that's the tricky thing with Alvin Kamara is that we even saw last year with the New Orleans Saints actually where wide receiver slash kick returner Deontay Hardy had a suspension looming and it finally came in the middle of the season. Like we never knew when the suspension was going to come. Whereas with DeAndre Hopkins, we know as of right now, he's not going to play the first six games and then he's going to be back. And he's a guy who almost never missed time with injury until last season. And then with, with Watson, same thing. We probably should, you know, it'll be the beginning of the season. It's not going to maybe linger into the, the playoff weeks of fantasy football in you know, week 14 to 16 range. So that's the scary part about Kamara is let's say he starts the year, plays the first eight weeks is maybe your best player on your team and then get suspended for six games as you're going into the playoffs uh, but to your point yes that is I think in the later rounds of drafts that's the stuff I do guys like a Michael Thomas too coming off an injury last year not this year but I try to take dart throws at guys that I think look are they going to be great for me all season long no but could they come in at the end of the year and put out a 20 point you know production week in week 13 14 15 um, by the time you're at the end of the draft I like to do stuff like that for sure. Uh, Dwayne I was looking at the at the board and there are it's split Basically, there are six receivers, if you count Kelsey as a receiver, five wide receivers, Travis Kelsey uh, in the first round, and six running backs. And yet, you just told me running back, running back, running back, right? Because there's more ways for them to win and, and with the passing game and the running game. So what makes Jefferson Cup, Chase, Diggs, Adams, and Kelsey worthwhile in that kind of a format? Yeah, Jefferson just is an absolute elite profile. I mean, you know, a guy that's, you know, only been playing for two seasons, you know, has already given us two wide receiver one seasons, you know, in fantasy scoring. Um, I mean, and he just, he gets a ton of targets on his team. You know, he's very effective with those. If you want to talk about yards after the catch, he has that. His explosive uh, play rate, which are targets of 15 yards or more that he converts into, or, or targets divide, or receptions divided by targets, 
where you get 15 yards or more, 27%, one of the best in the league. Um, you know, he works down the field deep. So he's just a guy that can attack every single area of the field. And we know that he's going to be the top option for the Vikings, still an ascending talent. So he's an easy one. Jamar Chase is similar. You know, he has a little bit more target competition, but we did see the Bengals throw the ball more down the stretch last year. They started off a little slower with Burrow coming back from the injury. And then by the time we got to week eight, it was more of the offense that we thought we would see, right, from the year before when Burrow was a rookie. And so Chase, even though he does have T. Higgins there, that's a little bit of a cap. Again, another player that when you look at him, 8.1 yards after the catch, 30% of his plays ended up going for 15 yards or more. And then whenever you look at his deep shots, so those those are targets 20 yards or more down the field. 28%. 28%. It's very rare that you find someone with that big of a yards after the catch, plus being able to go deep. So again, another guy that can just attack every single area of the field. It's an ascending offense. We've got a good quarterback. So just all the stars align really for those guys. And they're the ones that go at the top along with Cooper cup. Obviously. I, I mean, people know what Cooper cup you know did last year with Matthew Stafford. If you drafted Cooper cup, you probably won, won your fantasy league, like just on drafting Cooper cup in the fourth round. So you know, those guys, you know, they're all in really strong position, but once you get past those, then you're kind of in a group of running backs, right? Do you want to take an Eckler? Do you want to take a Henry, one of those guys, or do you want to take a Devontae Adams? Who you mentioned, he normally goes closer to the end of the first round and Adams is a little bit different, right? Because he's changing teams. He's had Aaron Rodgers all this time. He typically gets 28 to 30% of the targets. Now he's going to be with Derek Carr and he's going to have to deal with Darren Waller. He also has Hunter Renfro. So his ceiling isn't quite as high as his targets, but Devontae Adams is still a really good player. The one other thing I'll say, Chris, that like I'm using a lot this year, I just love the AFC West and NFC West teams. Number one, they play each other, AFC West and NFC West this year. And so whenever you look at right now on Superbook, they've actually, believe it or not, they've gone out and projected the game totals for the entire schedule this season already like you can find this and so of the games that were projected for 50 points or more 56 percent of them belong to the afc west and nfc west just those two divisions so if you can get in here and you can take a Devonte adams at the end of round one you could come back in round four and grab waller and in round round nine you grab Derek carr and yeah. so you've now got a quarterback with two weapons and you know you're going to be in shootouts pretty much every week. You, you got to play against Mahomes. You got to play against Russell Wilson. You got to play against Justin Herbert. You got to play against Matthew Stafford. You got to play against a quality team in the 49ers. I mean, the only easy layup you have there is Seattle. Like all of those matchups, you know, there's a lot of potential when two good quarterbacks meet up. Like that's when we see the point. Well, that's when we see the game totals go nuts from a Vegas perspective. And so the AFC West and NFC West are just loaded this year. So starting with an Adams and Waller and Carr, like that's a great way to set yourself up for success. I mean, even if you're trying to pick Super Bowl winners, it's the same thing. I mean, we saw it last year. The teams that have to slug their way through tougher competition are ready to go come playoff time. So we had two number four seeds in the Super Bowl last year with Cincinnati and L.A., and it probably should have been a four and a six if San Francisco had held on and won that game in the NFC Championship game. Um, So there's so many interesting things. One other thing I wanted to hit on, um, Tyreek Hill and A.J. Brown, two of the big stories of wide receiver movement um, in this offseason. And, of course, with all the attention comes fantasy questions. They are ranked 22nd and 23rd in the fantasy draft. Now, obviously, they're in a different situation as far as the quarterback position here. But Tyreek Hill going at number 22 
I'm assuming because of Tua, because of Waddle, because of extra targets. Exactly why is that? What's interesting is Hill's um, average draft position, you know, probably hasn't moved down enough. You know, last year he was going at the beginning of the second round with Patrick Mahomes. Now you're still having to spend a mid to late second. So he's only dropped about six spots and you, and you've got him with Tua plus Jalen Waddle on the team. So there's a bit of a cap there as far as, you know, we're not going to see either one of these players get like a 28% target share. You know, we're dealing with two players that are probably going to, you know, keep each other from going to the moon, if you will. They could both still Steve, still be really good. But yes, that's really what it is, Chris, is that you've now got Tua. It's just a bit of an undone, unknown. I mean, people do like Mike McDaniel. Like they do believe like that, you know, he can bring some of those things from San Francisco they can probably win on efficiency, but you're not going to get the same passing volume, right? When you look at the Chiefs, like they throw the ball, whether they're leading, tied, trailing, don't care. They're just, they throw the <laughs> ball all the time. Whereas with the Dolphins, you're probably going to have a situation where when they are leading or in close games, they're still going to run the ball enough, right? And they're going to, they'll pass plenty when they're trailing, but they'll have to depend on efficiency. Uh, and And we have seen now that Josh Allen has, made a move right in the nfl and one of the most electric games in the history of the nfl last year in the playoffs with he and mahomes going at it josh allen is now considered pretty cleanly the number one quarterback in most of the fantasy football stuff that i've seen um which goes against the grain a little bit of you know lamar jackson kyler murray um but the other guy i wanted to ask you about is trey lance Trey Lance is up there in that Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady kind of space. But if, in fact, he is what they think he could be, which is the running addition to that offense, is it possible that Trey Lance on a good football team shocks the world of fantasy football a little bit this year? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the way what we call that in the fantasy industry is an arbitrage play. So basically, you're letting someone else take someone like Lamar Jackson, more proven, but he goes in the fifth round, you have to spend a fifth round pick to get Lamar Jackson. So if you could take a receiver in the fifth round or another running back that you like, whatever other position and you wait, and you somehow manage to hit on Trey Lance, and he gives the same production that a Jalen Hurts or a Lamar Jackson gets, and you get him at a three round discount, well, then theoretically, like your overall roster is stronger, right? So just, just from a strategy perspective, number one, and then number two, just pure football, like what you're talking about. And, and the other thing we've noticed is even if, you, even if Trey Lance turns out to not be a great passer, if you run the ball as much as the 49ers do, and we know Trey Lance is probably going to be 25 to 30% of that, it's going to be really hard for Trey Lance to not finish as a top 12 quarterback, even if he struggles. I think the real bust scenario for Trey Lance is if they don't move Jimmy Garoppolo, um, Brad, you might want to jump in here before the trade, you know, or if they don't move Jimmy Garoppolo before the trade deadline or pref preferably like before camp, right? Or, you know, by the time the season starts, we could see Shanahan still go back to, to Jimmy G, right? If he thinks Trey Lance is struggling because he just still hasn't come out and fully said like Lance is absolutely our guy. Like they've been hinting more towards it. But that's where I think the big bust uh, potential lies with Trey Lance is if we still have G if we still have Jimmy G on the roster by the time the season starts. Yeah, I'd feel a lot more comfortable making that pick uh, if I knew Jimmy G was not on the roster. You know, even in games where 
you know, you go down a bunch, and this kind of is the the contrast between fantasy football uh, and you know real football. And Jalen Hurts is a good example. Last year, he would have some fourth quarters last year where they were losing the game and the game was lost, but he would put up like 15 fantasy points in the fourth quarter because he was scrambling and pucking it downfield and doing all. You need some of those performances sometimes. So yeah, you do not want Jimmy Garoppolo anywhere near this roster. It's so interesting for me to to think about Trey Lance and because I just know what it was like when we had a young quarterback on our team. They always look good in preseason, right? And the, the hype was going. They're playing against cover three or cover two or man coverage on every snap of preseason. And then they get out there in the first game and it's like, what the hell are they playing now, right? People are running sideways on them out there. And so if they don't have patience with them, I'm with you guys. I I, I mean, it, it almost, they're almost better off if they're going to make this move, go ahead and do whatever they have to do with Jimmy because otherwise they're going to go back to him. I mean, there's no way that it, with the, the streak of winning that the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan has put together, that they're just going to accept the fact that, yeah, we're developing a quarterback. We're one and four. Let's just keep it going. It's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. On the teams where I do take Lance just for the upside, I always come back with a Derek Carr or a Kirk Cousins, you know, like within the next two rounds, like just to go ahead, go ahead and have both. Plus both those guys have sneaky upside, right? They have offenses that could be really good. They've got a lot of weapons. We already talked about Derek Carr. So if you can pair an upside guy like Lance and then turn around a round later or two rounds later and get one of those two players, um, then I feel much more comfortable about it. But it's you're swinging for the fences. And right now we're talking about underdog ADP. These are people trying to win $2 million in a fantasy football contest, right? And just to get to the point to have a chance to win it, some really crazy stuff has to go your way. And so the upside case is still definitely there for Trey Lance. Um, all right, one final question. We'll do a little mock draft just to show off a little bit uh, of what we have <laughs> the ability to do here. Um, the quarterback position in general. It looks like Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts. And obviously the the mobile quarterbacks front and center there other than Josh Allen. Uh, is there a little bit of a cliff after those guys? Is that, that the mobile quarterback uh, within there, all those guys can move, all those guys can, can add rushing touchdowns and rushing yards. Is that where the cliff happens? Yeah, that's one of the cliffs. Um, so the way I look at that, the list you just gave, um, those all have that rushing ability, but then the, the next tier below, you still can get some really good quarterbacks because these are elite passing offenses potentially this year, right? With Joe Burrow, with the Bengals, you've got Jamar Chase, you've got T Higgins, you've got Tyler Boyd, you've got Hayden Hurst, you've got Joe Mixon. Um, you look at Tom Brady, Chris Godwin probably won't be back until mid-October, um, could be early November before you get him back. Uh, Gronkowski retires, but you get Russell Gage, a guy that they pick up from the Falcons who is really good against man coverage, good against his own. Basically, very similar data points to Antonio Brown. Not saying Russell Gage is Antonio Brown, but that's the role they're going to want him to play. 
And we know that the Bucks love to throw the ball. Then you got Russell Wilson. You know, he's got Cortland Sutton, former first rounder Jerry Judy, um, a really good tight end, Albert Aquabunum, and then Tim Patrick, a guy that they just re-signed last year to a really nice contract. So, and again, Russ Wilson, AFC, NFC West, going to play a ton of shootout games. So that next tier, you can still be okay. But to your point, Chris, it is the drop-off from where you get that truly elite upside of, wow, I have a quarterback that might rush for 700 yards and throw for 4,000. Like, once you get past Jalen Hurts, like, is really over. Like, I have Kyler Murray number two for me behind Josh Allen personally in my ranks because I think he's the one that if you had to pick one quarterback that can throw for 5,000 and rush for 1,000, I think Kyler Murray's it. Like, Josh Allen's going to, you know, he's not going to rush for 1,000. We know he's probably going to throw for 5,000. You know, he's going to score a lot of rushing touchdowns. But Kyler Murray is the one other guy that I think, and you can get him in the sixth round this year, and you got to take Josh Allen in the third round. Like, that's another way to really differentiate your roster. Like, I, don't, I haven't taken Josh Allen yet, and I've drafted 50 teams, and it's not because I don't like Josh Allen. It's because he's a third-round pick, and I think you're getting something really similar in Kyler Murray or Jalen Hurts three rounds later. So, Lamar Jackson, Brad, here's two guys that are on contracts coming up, more or less. Ezekiel Elliott's my other one, just so I've thrown the name out there. He's not... He's not on a contract year, but the guaranteed part of the contract ends, I believe, this year. So, Lamar, this team, after all the injuries, you know, at the running back position to Dobbins and Edwards and all the different things that has happened to that football team a, a season ago, uh, before they even played their first game, they go eight and three, I think it was. And then it wasn't until Lamar got hurt at the end of the year that they kind of fell apart and, and missed the playoffs. It's also a contract. He's trying to negotiate a deal. And you're, you've been watching this a lot longer than I have. How big a deal is that for Elliott, for Lamar going into this year? A factor or no? Yeah. It's definitely a factor. You know, I'm sure you could point to cases where it does work in the favor of the player getting more reps and, and out producing what you expect and other examples where it doesn't necessarily work out. But like you said, at the end of the day, these guys are looking out for themselves and want to make sure they're set up financially. You know, Lamar is interesting. He loses Marquise Brown, had a thousand yards last year. You would hope Rashad Bateman, their, you know, their rookie would get better this year and maybe take some of those reps away. Um, you know, I think Lamar, it comes down to his legs, as we've talked about. That's his true upside and he can be a difference maker, a league winner in his own right. Ezekiel Elliott, as we're going to get to, I think is one of my favorite values in all of fantasy football. And I wonder what, what Dwayne has to say about that. But look, I know Tony Pollard has a lot of fans. He's a, probably a better receiver, has been more efficient. But Ezekiel Elliott is a guy that the Dallas Cowboys want to get the football as often as possible. Ownership loves him. Like you said, he's still making a ton of money. One of the highest paid running backs still years after signing his extension. Sounds like he's healthier than last year. And he was still getting fed the rock when he wasn't healthy last year. Um, I think he is a screaming value in fantasy football. And I'm just hoping Dwayne doesn't think I'm an idiot for saying that. But <laughs> I think that's a huge factor in, in both cases. Yeah. We'll have to get Ian on here to support you on this one. No, I think with Zeke, like the, the biggest thing, and you know, Ian's famous saying is always, hey, we hate the ADP, the average draft position, not the player. And so when you look at a player like Zeke, um, all of the downside is really already priced in because he's a fourth round pick. Ze Ezekiel Elliott has always been a first round pick in fantasy football. And now you're getting him at a fourth round. So there may be a little bit of an overreaction by the market. I'm still taking a player like Travis Etienne over him just because I like the youth. I like the upside of the receiving game, you know, in Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence, you know, out of the backfield, you know, to Etienne, his former college teammate. So um, I don't have a ton 
of Ezekiel Elliott, but I do agree. Like in the fourth round, I mean, it's on a quality offense. I do think there's still going to be enough volume for where you're getting Zeke there that it's going to probably pay off. I just don't know that I see a scenario where, oh my gosh, if I don't take Zeke, I'm going to look back and think, I just lost my fantasy league for me. Like, I just don't, I don't feel that strongly about him, but I have no problem with where you're getting him. It's interesting because his yards per carry is never going to be what Pollard's is, who plays on more third downs and, you know, Zeke's going to run it on third and one and goal line. So, you know, the numbers are going to get skewed. I, I just keep thinking one of these days he's going to flash, but it's been a little while, you know, it's just been a little while. And so who knows, who knows what, well, all right, you guys are, you've got some trick up your sleeve here with, we're going to do some, not quite a mock draft, but you're going to break it down for me into various rounds and then we're going to pick out which ones we like out of that tier yeah yep so just the list that you have and you see the breaks on it so i think we'll just go around and basically say you know if, the way i was thinking about it we can go whichever way you want chris but if you get to take one player in the first round like who would you want you know and then why and then if you guys want to talk about somebody we want to avoid we can do that too whichever way you guys want to go all right. Well, I, I say that we pick, we pick uh, on a rotational. Let's, let's just pick the round. Let's do the first three rounds. Is that fair? Okay. Because that's that's what people are going to do. So, all right. You just you just go ahead. No, I get to go first because it's my show. <laughs> I, I'm going to go first here. And so, do we have the names up of the guys that we have? So, Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. Eckler, Henry, Diggs, Harris, Cooks, Adams, and Kelsey. I am going to take. <laughs> I, I mean, it's almost impossible. Let's say you have an early pick, Chris. Right. Let's say you're picking in the first three or four there. I'm going to go ahead and chicken out and take Jonathan Taylor. I, I, <laughs> I, he was unbelievable. You don't find guys that size that runs four three that that have the breakaway runs, and I, who knows what Matt Ryan's going to do with him? It seems like maybe even more check downs and get him involved in the passing game. So he's not getting beat up like he did in Atlanta. Taylor, I'm taking Taylor. Yeah, I think that's a good pick. Um, he is the number one overall pick. He typically goes there. So if you want him, you need an early pick to get him. I think the one risk with Taylor, Chris, is that they, they have talked about getting Naheem Hines more involved. And Naheem Hines is, you know, an elite receiving back. So I think that's the one potential flaw with Taylor, but you've got a good offensive line, a team that is committed to running the ball, and Matt Ryan's an upgrade over Carson Wentz, more accurate at every single level of the field. So yeah, I like the Colts pick. Brad, you want to take the second one? You guys can give me the hard one. I'll pick at the end of the first round. Oh, I'm going with the end of the first. I'm kind of going to where, you know, I, I like the value compared to where they're going off. Um, so I would just say we've kind of touched on this a bunch, Chris, but I will say too, it's something that I struggle with a lot in fantasy is that sometimes boom or bust can be better than like, you're not trying to find a guy that's going to get you 10 points every week necessarily. Sometimes the guy that gets you 25 and then gets you five could win you a week when he goes off. So um, long story short, uh, I like Dalvin cook in the first, I, I think we've seen with the LA Rams and Kevin O'Connell's time there, they are more comfortable with a, a true workhorse, you know, unlike the Shanahan offense I talked about earlier that tends to go by committee. Sean McVay likes to have that one guy that really handles the load. Um, not that that's a foreign concept to Dalvin Cook by any means, but I think he deserves to be a first-round pick. I would probably take him in the middle of the first, potentially. Um, you know, he's, he's my pick there. It sounds like they're lining him up in the slot and all over the place. Um, I think he's a good pick in the first round. Yeah, so I'll go with Stefan Diggs. 
um, who goes uh, round one pick eight right now. And so when you look at Diggs, like the thing I love is he plays for an offense that wants to throw the ball first. You have a top three NFL quarterback, so check, check. And you have a really good receiver who can demand a lot of targets. You've got Emmanuel Sanders gone. They they want Gabriel Davis to step up. Obviously, Gabriel Davis had a huge, huge game um, in the playoffs down the stretch. Um, and so there's a lot of promise there. But at the end of the day, like Stefan Diggs is the number one target in Buffalo. And, you know, they could throw the ball more than any other team in the league. So, and if you do want a chance to ever get to pair you know, Stefan Diggs with Josh Allen, you basically got to reach a little bit on Diggs in the first round and take him in the middle. So maybe in the third round, Josh Allen slides back to you and then you compare those two together. And then you obviously have some potential huge fireworks, you know, in the final weeks of the season that could win you a lot of money. All right. I, I, I did my strategy right because I got to save the guy that I really liked. So I'm going to go Austin Eckler. I, I, here's somebody who had what 20 touchdowns a year ago i think 20 or 12 rushing eight receiving or vice versa uh over the first five years just has been an absolute workhorse in the passing game uh being able to just make play after play after play he had 24 receiving touchdowns in his first five years that's the most since 1967 and he's a good rusher too he's a He's more of a thick body guy than you would think. And so typically he's been holding up. I, I just think that that offense has a chance this year to just go off. I, I just keep waiting for the Chargers to be the team that I think they're going to be at some point. So I'm taking Austin Eckler. Take that. And, and that's another one of those uh, with the AFC West. So their schedule down the stretch, like when it matters most, like what Brad's saying, and those, you're – you want to look at the year-end schedule, and you're not looking for defense. It's really tough to predict defensive strength of schedule. What you're looking for, right, are the potential shootouts, shootouts against other really good teams or good quarterbacks. So from week 11 on, this listen to the Chargers schedule. Week 11, Kansas City. Right now that game total is at 53. Then they get the Cardinals, game total of 51. Then they get the Raiders in week 13, game total of 52. And then the final two weeks of the season, week 16 and 17, 50 points um, is the game total against Indy and then against the Rams in week 17, your big money week. And that is a game total of 51 right now. So Eckler could just absolutely win major fantasy league dollars down the stretch. All, all of the chargers could. I didn't know all that, but I'm going to claim I did. <laughs> <laughs> you can run with it. All right, Brad, knock it out, man. Sure. So moving on to our, our second round group here, you, you mentioned it before uh, in tight end Mark Andrews, there's definitely some risk involved in taking a tight end early. Like you said, there's also the risk of it kind of falls off after those first five guys and you're potentially getting into a streaming scenario, trying to just find a guy that can produce for you. I think, you know, coming off a monster season with the loss of Marquise Brown, um, you know, I saw earlier today, James Prochet is playing as their number two wide receiver opposite Rashad Bateman. Um, yes, it's a run heavy offense. We know all those things, but I think Andrews is, is again going to be a thousand plus yard receiver um, again a big you know presence in the red zone uh, and, and just you know might as well take him there get your tight end out of the way and, and get back to focusing on running backs and wide receivers and whatnot yeah and taking the tight end in the second round or if you go Kelsey at the end of the first it, it is to your point 
you know, Brad, it's an advantage because there's only a few guys that can do what they do. And so you get to differentiate against the rest of your league mates. And later, as they're all scrambling, trying to add two tight ends, you can you can actually just roster one. In best ball, you're at least going to need to have two because you just draft and you're done. But it is a, it's a nice luxury. You just feel very comfortable once you I, I do anyway. If I've got one of those top two or three tight ends on my team, I'm like, oh, I'll just watch everybody else scramble later. And you just keep on firing off the shots like at the running backs and other guys that you want. Um, but the guy that I'm going to go with here in the second round, you know, we let Chris have two first round picks because Austin Eckler somehow fell to him uh, in the second round. But yeah, the, the guy that I would go with and we talked about him was Saquon Barkley, you know, just, you know, look, got the first round pedigree, you know, only 25 years old. He's only one year older than Najee Harris. Like that's crazy. Right. Um, and when we look at Barkley last year, he was just starting to get going and he had that freak accident. Really. It's a Cowboys game. The snap, you know, is over. The whistle's already been blown. Jordan Lewis is running one way. He's running the other. They're just not even looking. And he steps on Jordan Lewis's foot and he just twists it and it swells up like a grapefruit. But like before that, in those two games in that game and the game before, like he was, he was starting to come around, you know, the year before he had the ACL plus the meniscus. So and he, had, he was almost a full year from that. He was a little over a full year from that whenever this injury happened. So he had 20 points and like 25 points um, in those two games. So it was just finally getting going for Barkley, and he just had another unfortunate injury. But I love guys that are still young that are going to be on the field all the time. And so that would give me a start of Stefan Diggs with Saquon Barkley. It's actually a pair that I've, that I've put together quite a few times in real drafts. All right. This, this may sound crazy, but I'm going to do it anyway. I, I, I think the hanging curveball out there right now is Derrick Henry. Here's a guy who was leading the league in rushing. Halloween, he breaks his foot or whatever happened to him. Uh, hurt his foot anyway. Um, but he was going into that game. He was going to do it again. And Jonathan Taylor's getting all the attention. He won by whatever it was, 500 yards or something a year ago. But here I go. Mr. Running Back, that's right. I'm going all three guys at running back. And although maybe I can use Austin Eckler as that swing guy or whatever you call that thing. But I am going Derrick Henry right back in your guy's face. And I am I am having I am just having a great time here. That's a trio right there. What do you think? Is that a good strategy or bad strategy to do that? Well, if you can get a draft where you get those three players in the first three rounds. <laughs> It's a great strategy. Okay. So right, spending right. the money, spend the league winnings the day after the draft. If you get those. Three <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can. Yeah. You, a million bucks is coming your way, Chris. If you get those three in order, but no, with Henry, the main thing with Henry is we just know there are a ton of carries. So when we look at, you know, playoffs plus, you know, if we just count the plays where even if a penalty was called, which we have the ability to do with some of our tools in the back end, I mean, we're just dealing with a player that has 1,613 touches on his body from just rushing. That's not including his receiving. So going into age 28, uh, his age 28 season, um, and he had an, he had a foot injury last year. So it, look, if Henry can stay healthy, he's going to be every bit worth it. The risk with him um, in the first round, because you are there's an opportunity cost to take him in the first round, because you know, you're like, I could have Derrick Henry or I could have Stefan Diggs. I have Derrick Henry or I could have Austin Eckler. Those guys all go really close to one another. And so I like the fact that you took Eckler over Henry. I do believe that that's the correct order. But if Henry stays healthy all year in a team that we know is very willing to run the ball, we know that Mike Vrabel is very committed to it. Uh, in fact, whether they're leading, trailing, or tied, the Titans run the ball like 10% over the league average, like in every scenario. So Henry is probably going to get fed. It's just a matter of can he hold up. 
and obviously no A.J. Brown, no Julio Jones. Um, you know, he's he's the guy. He is that offense right now. So, uh, like Does you that... said, the health and all those concerns are very real, but he should be getting a ton of touches once again. Chris, does that worry you? Um, you know, just thinking from a football X's and O's perspective, like, I mean, we could look at it one way, A.J. Brown's gone, but, like, uh, that could also be a negative, right? How much do defenses really have to worry about the passing game? Obviously, they drafted Traylon Burks. Um, he hasn't really been able to practice due to asthma or something that's been going on with him. They did add Robert Woods through a trade, but A.J. Brown was a major component of their offense. And is that something that potentially concerns us with defenses being able to focus just even more on Derrick Henry, knowing the way that that staff likes to use him? Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to change anything. I think they did last year, too. That would be almost more of a question for me about A.J. Brown because he was allowed to be in so many one-on-one -on -one situations and his big body and catch and run ability was, you know, it was just overwhelming. So I think they're going to be okay. Uh, and it's, it's interesting that AJ goes to Philadelphia with the exact same kind of quarterback, basically. So he's going to have that built-in advantage one more time here. So, yeah. Um, is it back to me yet? Or am I, am I, have you guys picked? Oh, is it back? Yeah, is it or is it back to no, me? No, I think I got to make my uh, my right. third round pick, and then you do as well. You try you try to okay. jump ahead of us. Well, first? you know, I, if you, if you snooze, you lose. I saw the Vikings do that one year in the draft. <laughs> it happens. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Also, no receivers for you so far. No love for your guys. Uh, you know, I uh, you know what happened? Seriously, I'm looking down the list, and I'm like, do I care between Devonte Adams, Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Jamar? Ch I don't. So I'm going to get one of them coming back around you. here, right? No, that's that's the way it shakes out sometimes. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll jump in for, for the uh, third round here of the, the underdog uh, ADP that we're looking at. And we haven't touched on any people you know, you're afraid of or, or guys to maybe avoid. I think the top half of this list is littered with those names. Um, you know, Javante Williams is a great young player. I know he was the, one of the leaders in broken, you know, forced missed tackles per attempt for us last year. But Melvin Gordon just refused to give away that job. Um, or to seed, you know, a lot of his targets and carries. Came back on a pretty modest one-year deal for about $2.5 million. But I just don't know if I love Javante that early. We talked about A.J. Brown. Again, not in a super pass-heavy offense. Um, and then you have Keenan Allen and Mike Williams back-to-back -back here, both on the Chargers. You know, Williams had a great start to the season last year and then probably didn't have a wide receiver one week for the last, you know, this is probably not correct, but was not a dominant player in fantasy um, for most of the season last year. Long, long answer short, I'm going with Cortland Sutton in, in Denver. I think this is one of my favorite chemistry and just connections. What he does well is what Russell Wilson does well as a quarterback. They are going to lob the ball down fields, go up and get it, jump ball, contested catches. I think he's going to be a screaming value again. Um, you know, coming off the injury, a full year removed, the best quarterback of his career by far in Denver. Um, I love him there late in the third round. Wow. So, yeah, we get our first big disagreement. Like, Javante Williams is absolutely like who I would pick. Um, and, and you're right around Melvin Gordon, although they basically iced Melvin Gordon, right? They said, look, go on, go see what you can find in the market. If you can't find something better, we'll take you back, which is, and, and you know the situation better than me, so you can correct me if I'm wrong on that, Brad. But I mean, no, I, I think basically... Gordon couldn't get more, so they gave him the two and a half mil for a season. Um, and, and you're right, Gordon is a good player, um, and I expect him to still be involved. But a lot of the early word, you know, out of, you know, coming from not training camp, but mini camp and everything else is that it really could be Javante's 
offense this year, meaning 65, 70% of the work could go to him. And so it's just one of these scenarios where even last year, he's going to get more work than he did last year, right? Even if Melvin Gordon hangs around. So I feel like your downside is a little bit more limited. Like maybe you have a mid range running back too, but if you're right and Javante gets 65% of the work in this offense with now Russell Wilson. And we've already talked about how Denver's going to have to score points to stay in it, you know, in this division. They also play the NFC West. Like for me, Javante Williams, you look at the talent profile, it actually, it looks like Jonathan Taylor. It looks like um, Nick Chubb, two of the best running backs in the league. And he also showed that he could catch passes out of the backfield. Russ doesn't target the backs a lot and he's got plenty of other weapons. So I don't think Javante will have a huge passing year or receiving year, but I think the upside as far as touchdowns are there. Um, so I, I think he's just one of these guys you can get in the third round. And if things go right, you're going to win your league off the pick because he could be a top three back. So um, there's definitely some risk with it, but I think it's, 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 again, it's, you're looking at what's the opportunity cost. And you just mentioned it, you know, Brad, it's like, I love Keenan Allen, love Mike Williams on the offense that they play on, but AJ Brown has question marks. Uh, Alvin Kamara suspended Josh Allen. I can get Kyler Murray in round six. So those are the other things that play into it. And it goes back to which positions when they smash typically smash for the most and it's running back. And so Javante Williams, when you can get him in the early third round, um, he's absolutely a player. I love, he's one of my most rostered uh, running backs through um, about 50 drafts right now. I've got him on 36% of my rosters right now. Just hard to know with that new offense, how much he's actually going to get it. That's, that's the question. So where are we now? Is this uh, Dwayne, are you back up? No, I just gave mine. Oh, good. Then I, I just get went the opposite again. of Brad. I'm like a kid at Christmas. Williams. I can't wait to pick again. I love doing this. <laughs> you got to you got to pick somebody at least from the second round, though, Chris, or or, or the third round. Like Man, you, why should I? You guys keep all, making the mistakes. I'm just going to keep pounding away on you. Here. <laughs> <laughs> I, hey, it's your world. We're just living it. I I, I I'm going to say that. I, all right, you want me to pick one out of the back end? I'll do that too. I am going to take. I, 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 the, the one that stuck out to me as soon as I saw it, um, but I don't want to do another running back. I, I, who I was going to say is Aaron Jones. I mean, basically the receivers for, for you know, the Green Bay Packers, you've got Robert Tunyon at number 137, Alan Lassard at 127. So who's going to get all the, the catches? That guy's a heck of a receiver. Aaron Jones can play, man. He can come out of the backfield and make plays. But I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to keep burying you guys. I'm going to go. I know Cooper Cup won the Triple Crown. I know Justin Jefferson is the young phenom. But I think Jamar Chase is really special. I, I just do. I, I think that Jamar Chase has skills that none of the other guys, and I'm going to include them all. I'm going to say Cup. Jefferson, as good as he is, Devontae Adams, C.D. Lamb, uh, Mike Evans, Debo Samuel. You have to get down to Tyreek Hill before I go, he's a better athlete, right? And we've already talked about the limitations for Tyreek Hill in that offense with Tua. But I think Jamar Chase, having Joe Burrow healthy for an entire year, what he did, what T. Higgins established himself as uh, on the other side, I, I, I just think anything's possible for Jamar Chase this year. Yeah, I, I love Chase. Um, I think, you know, we talked about it just briefly earlier, but one of those rare 
players, Chris, that you can just get it to them quick. Honestly, like think back to the play against the Chiefs. I think it might have been, it was a slant or an in route, like seven yards down the field. He gets open, makes the first guy miss, and then just finds an angle that nobody else can take. How about the spin catch and run against the Ravens? That was one of the best players of the entire year. That was sick. Yeah, so he had a couple of those, uh, you know, and he's just a guy that can do it all. You, you can you can get it to him deep. He can beat you over the top, catch it in the bucket. He can beat you over the top, contested catch. He can work underneath, and he can break it long, you know, just like more like what a Debo Samuel would do, right, in space. So it, it, he is very rare. Um, and it's honestly, it's kind of Randy Moss-esque is like what it reminds me of. But he's a thicker player than Moss, not quite as tall. But he's just, he's a freak athlete. He can mm. do it all. So love, love Jamar Chase. And we knew you had to get a Bengal in there. So uh, you, covered, you, yeah, receiver and Bengal. I <laughs> <laughs> check both boxes. Done. Double check. All right. You guys get one more pick each, and that's it. We're done. All right. So moving on to the fourth round now. I mentioned him earlier, um, but it's Ezekiel Elliott. Like, I, I could be totally wrong on this and have egg on my face, but I, I just think, uh, I think in the first round last year, and I don't think that was known as a smart move, and he had a knee injury the entire season and still produced at a, you know, lower end RB1, you know, clip the entire season. So I think it's silly. He's in the fourth round. Um, I, you know, I hear you on Travis Etienne. I know everyone loves Etienne because the pass catching ability, the Jaguars are probably trailing in a bunch of games and he might get a million checkdowns. I think it's legitimately insane that Ezekiel Elliott is getting drafted after Travis Etienne. Again, not a fantasy analyst. I could be a hundred percent wrong. I think that's insane. <laughs> And I probably yeah. am wrong, but <laughs> no, no, it's okay. It, I think it's, I think it can be a close call it, and it does come down to your format. Like if you're playing in a league that doesn't give you points for receptions, Zeke is the pick you make over ETN. If you get to half point, which is what we're talking about here, they're really, I mean, the players are four, they're four spots apart in average draft position. Um, just ETN, you know, could give you that 80, 90 catch season. Right. And, and that's the thing that you're aiming for, but you know, Zeke definitely plays in the better offense. So my last pick would be Darren Waller. This is a guy that I've drafted onto quite a few of my teams. I think about 30% right now over the last 50 drafts. Again, it's the AFC West. I go ahead and get a tight end on my team like you were talking about earlier, Brad. I don't have to worry about it again until later. It can basically be, you know, the next the next tight end I, I will take on the roster will be one that's at value. And so I will have it locked in. Um, I think it's a positional advantage over the rest. I, it's capped a little bit. Like Waller's not ever going to have a 30% season with, with you know, Hopkins. I mean, not Hopkins, but Devontae Adams there, right? That's not going to happen. But still, compared to the rest of the tight ends that are out there, he still has an elite profile. He was playing through a lot of injuries last year. So I'm excited to see, you know, what this offense is going to look like under Josh McDaniels. And I think getting Waller in the fourth round and then being able to come back later and get Derek Carr also at a value is something that I'm very interested in doing as much as I can. Yeah, it's that, that's a really interesting team for me right now. To put Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro all together, that's a lot of people to try and cover uh, out wide. And I, I, I just know what they're going to do. They're going to put Waller over there on that single receiver side. And are you willing to rotate to him and leave Devontae Adams sort of one-on-one on the, on the three-receiver side I just can't see that. So Waller should get a ton of jump ball opportunities this year. And then Renfro is going to be out there one-on-one and killing people. So there there are a lot of scenarios in my mind where the Raiders end up better than anybody is thinking right now. I, I just, I think there's a chance that they're one of the surprise teams this year. I really do. 
Yeah, they're they're only they're, they're the only team in their division not projected for ten or more wins right now. I, I believe by Vegas, and they're at eight and a half, I believe. Um, so they're right at five hundred. Um, but like, if I was putting bets down on overs and unders, I would I would take the under on Kansas City. I would take the over on the Raiders. Um, you know, I don't know the Broncos at ten wins seems pretty steep, but like they they could also get there. It's just a it's a tough division, and, and the Chargers are projected for ten wins as well. So it's going to be a lot of fireworks. I just know that Josh McDaniels spends hours and hours and hours in practice on protection. And if Carr gets that kind of protection and has those weapons with some time to work down the field, we shall see. We shall see. Guys, that was really fun. Thanks so much. Darren McFarlane, who does all of our fantasy stuff, along with Ian Harditz. And uh, we have an app to kill for coming out very soon. And Brad Spielberger, who does everything. So, guys, thanks. Thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate it.